Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. How many of you are in charge of your own financial planning? I find that many women, especially moms and millennials, haven't put a lot of time and effort into figuring out their financial plan for the future. I think when it comes to financial planning, we tend to just put it on the back burner because it's something in the future and we push it out because we have more pressing matters like student loan debt, new babies, or saving for that home or paying the mortgage. But financial planning deep down is also forcing you to really think about what you want your future to look like. And oftentimes we don't know what we want. So it's really hard to commit and sit down and make a plan. This is such a parallel, too, to what I talk about in motherhood and business. If you don't know where you want to go, what your end goal is, your end destination, you cannot make a plan and you end up getting stuck in the hamster wheel of going just day to day or getting lost in shiny object land, which is why today's episode I'm super excited to bring to you. Today, I'm interviewing Babita Trevetti. She's a certified financial planner with a passion for educating and empowering women in their financial lives. She's also a mom of two who went through a huge career transition after having her first kid. In this episode, we dive into her journey of going back to school and switching careers to everything you need to know to start planning for your financial future as a mom with young kids. One of my favorite things she said to me offline was, I never knew my job would be mainly helping people figure out what they want, and that couldn't be any more true. Financial planning is way more than just Excel projections, pie graphs, and investment portfolios. It's about imagining the life you want to have when you retire. On a side note, I have to read this full disclosure before we start the episode since Babita is a CFP and represents Lighthouse Financial Network, so bear with me. Lighthouse Financial Network is located at 575 Broad Hollow Road, Melville, New York, 11747, and their phone number is 631-465-9090. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc., member FINRA-SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. What we talk about today are things to think about and ideas to have, but please speak with your own personal financial advisor or planner before making any financial and investment decisions. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome back to Mommy's on a Call. Today, I'm excited to bring to you Babita Trivedi. She's a certified financial planner with a passion for educating and empowering women in their financial lives. She helps her clients understand where they are financially, define where they want to be in the future, and give them the strategies and tools to achieve those goals so they can feel less stressed and be more confident in their future. And I'm really excited that she's here today because we're about to dive into some tips and tools that we as moms can help use to better our own financial future. So welcome. Hi, thank you, Stephanie, for the introduction and having me here. Very excited. 
I'm excited to have you. I wanted to start by asking you though, what is your biggest mom win of the week? Oh, yesterday was a fun one. Meltdown sitting from both kids all at once. And I think I managed to get through without screaming for either of them. <laughs> Small wins, but yeah. Well, on that note, give me a little bit about your family structure. How many kids do you have? Ages? What are the roles that you and your partner play in the family? Yes, husband who's working from home. So yeah, small New York City space with all of us in one space right now. It's been interesting. I have two boys, an 11-year-old and a five-year-old. Oh, and are they in school currently? Are they out of the house? Are you able to have a little peace and quiet now? Full-time as in school for now. So he's never another month and a half for that. <laughs> but yeah, they'll be back home for the summer. But yeah, right now we've been pretty lucky. Everything's open and they're out. <laughs> Well, you have a pretty busy career and a busy job being a financial planner, and especially, and I think this time, a lot of people are like looking to how to set themselves up for success and especially coming out of the pandemic and everything. I wanted to talk a little bit about though, how you got to where you are today, because I know you weren't always in the financial realm. So let's talk a little bit about your journey and how you, you have a five and 11 year old, like, how did you get to being in this position? So after college, I was in media buying for about eight, nine years. So bored there as it was, but more importantly, I got married right after college. And it was interesting kind of making those adult decisions, especially the financial ones that no one ever teaches about. Like, how do you finish high school or college without knowing how to do any of this? So we bought our first place during the housing bubble, feeling confused. Started thinking about having a plant and family and same thing, very confused and being type A and wanting to know things about how I'm doing, I decided to go take some personal enrichment classes around financial planning and loved it and decided to turn it into a new career. Wow. And so media buying is such a different, (laughs) different thing. I've had friends who did that. Like what was, this was pre-mom life, right? Where you were doing media buying. Did you continue doing it when you had your kids? Yes. It was a tail end of a switch. I was taking classes in financial planning I took my final one during maternity leave with my first son. Went back to work at Media Buying. Comfortable, it's hard to leave. Something that's steady and easy. But I also kind of put the career change on the back burner for a while. My son turned one and a half, started having some issues. And it was like the kick in the butt. I needed to move ahead and quit my job. Stayed home with him for a while. So there's a lot of uh, nerve-wracking decisions in there. Switching to single income, being accidental stay-at-home mom, as I joke about it, because wasn't really planning on it. But I did finish my CFP in that time. I got my master's in financial planning during that time. So I was home for about three years. And we sort of tried for a second kid. It didn't work out. We think it would work out. We sort of told it wouldn't work out. So I go and start my practice when my first one starts 3K. And seven months later, I got pregnant with my second one. And I joke about it could work and all of a sudden life happens, plans change. <laughs> so took a breather that first year. The second year was sort of slow for work and then kind of picked right back up into it. It's the best part of working for ourselves, right? That is. So I actually want to step back a bit because that's really interesting. And I think there's a lot of moms out there who are contemplating a career change or who in the last year, I mean, so many women unfortunately left the workforce, whether it was there were moms and they had to do it for childcare, whether they were laid off and they are contemplating this career change or became an accidental stay-at-home mom. 
Can you talk about kind of like that journey and what you were thinking and how did you just decide to go take classes? Like, how did you do that balancing a kid? And what were those conversations like at home and what was going through your mind to get you kind of through that? It's scary. I mean, I know my husband was freaked out about losing half our paycheck. Like, we were making about the same, I guess, at the time and it was cutting down to half our income. I didn't balance too much of the schooling while he was around. It was just one last bit of it while I was on maternity. So it wasn't work school and that that's kind of why I got put on the back burner. So it's balancing and prioritizing, but the change came mostly because I was, I was really bored (laughs) at my own job. Didn't really see the forward potential. I think that's where a lot of us struggle being in a job where you don't see what you'd be doing different or better or having an impact, I guess, moving forward. So I really did want to change and I really read the financial planning classes really resonated because it is, it became one of those things of like constant going back to, I do not know this coming out of college. So I think financial literacy and educating is like a big part of why I wanted to do this. Like part of me just wanted to go teach it, but really can't make much of a living off of that. I like how you said though, it was your why. Like I always say like, what, what drives you? What is your why? And not like a hypothetical, like, or fluffy why, but like, really, what is your drivers? Because if you're not doing something that you're super passionate about, you're kind of just grinding. But for a lot of people, it's hard to leave that steady paycheck, especially. So for you, I guess you were a little bit in a okay situation where one spouse was working. So you were able to survive. Like, what did you do for your own financial planning during that time in order to be able to survive off of one income? Not much beyond trying to spend less at the time. <laughs> if you were to, I was going to say, using your skills now and looking back, what would you have done differently? Because maybe there are a lot of women out there that are about to have that conversation. Their husband might be working and they're like, I hate my job or I just got laid off. I'm a stay-at-home mom now, but maybe I don't want to be that. Maybe I do want to go back into something, but how do we give us that runway? If you were to look back and give yourself advice, what would you have done differently? I think I would have, I actually didn't end up with much of a choice. I know I kind of mentioned in passing, my son was having some issues at the time. So that was the catalyst on our end. So I didn't really have much of a runway on that. But if you do still have a job and you want to make that change and you have time to plan it, I work with a lot of women going through major changes in life. And yes, obvious one comes to divorce and all, but career changes are becoming a big one for a lot of them, whether it's to take care of kids or for the older ones to take care of parents. It's planning like your next thing is a big deal. So if you have time to plan it, that's time to talk to somebody. Make sure you have your budget in place. Make sure you have enough savings in place. So especially if you're starting a business, you know it'll take a little while to get that income flowing again. Make sure you have enough in savings to cover that. And the biggest mistake I feel like I made at the time, I kind of stopped planning for the long term. I was I'm like mentally, I've always been a planner, not necessarily financial, but like I'm always like thinking ahead. And like, even though I had a decent retirement, like 401k for my old job, I stopped funding mine, even though because I was home and all of a sudden your income says that it seemed like a good excuse. I feel like I would have prioritized continuing saving and investing during those times, even though it would have been harder, just not forgetting the long-term impact. Well, on that note, I actually have a question along that same lines, because for example, I was working in a job. I had a 401k. I transferred it over when I started my next job. We had a 403b, you know, I was always saving for retirement. I had a Roth IRA. Then I get married, you know, things change, have kids. 
And now that I'm an entrepreneur, I don't have a 401k that I'm giving towards because I'm not at a corporation or anything for those women who decide to go out and start their own thing. How can they start saving for retirement? What can they do to continue that? Because I think I, me personally, I put that on the back burner. I can't contribute to a Roth right now because don't qualify, but you know, what can we do as women in that sort of situation? And I know you work with a lot of women-owned businesses and you work with a lot of women going through transitions, which I think is amazing because I think women financial literacy is something that's so important. And I think that I talk to a lot of mom friends and not a lot of them know anything about investing, either their spouse takes care of it or you know, it's so far from now that they can't even think about it because they have the fires to put out home, the kids to take care of, and maybe they're not making income because they are a stay-at-home mom. So they're like, well, what can I do? I can't save towards retirement if I don't have money. (laughs) Well, so technically, if you have excess income, you actually can't. Even if you don't have income, you can still find what's called a spousal IRA. So that's something to keep in mind. So if your husband's or spouse partner is funding their retirement from work and you happen to have the extra income, you can have an IRA, even though technically the rule is earned income, spousal income counts. Hmm. IRAs are usually the first line of investing for retirement. You mentioned it. You can get disqualified from Roth. You can always have an IRA as long as you have earned income. But you're limited. You're limited to $6,000 a year. If you're over 50, you're put in seven, which is not a lot. So owning a business, you will have other options. There's other plans like SEP, SEP plans, simple IRAs. There's even solo 401ks meant for a single person, single business owner. It just requires a little bit of work, looking up the details, see which one fits you the best. And I kind of always go back to telling my clients, like, it's not an excuse that it's not being handed to you because when you start a business, you accept that responsibility of everything else, don't you? You're the marketing person, you're the receptionist, you're the customer service, you're the accountant and the bookkeeper. Well, you're also HR and you have to come up with your own benefits now. Right. Insurance and retirement plans and all exactly. of that payroll, everything. There's so much to think about mm-hmm. that I think we do get overwhelmed and we don't prioritize that because I think we see retirement as something in the future. Like I, you know, I can't think about that now, but that is important. It is. And I'm going to throw in a little math lesson on this for you to keep it really quick. Just the importance of starting early with saving and investing. So not to get too convoluted, but there's something called the rule of 72. So if you take the number 72 and you divide into it, what you're earning. So let's say you're earning 10% on something. If you divide it, that's how long it takes to double your money. So 72 divided by 10, it takes 7.2 years to double your money. And now think about that in terms of time. Starting 10 years earlier means that's less, you have so much less that you have to earn or so much more that you can grow to. In fact, almost double if you count that. If you save 10 years earlier and you're earning that 7.2 and you can double in 10 years, it makes you so much less pressured of how much you have to see just because you have more time. So starting early, even if it's small, I go back to like my clients and go like, what if you're saving $25 a month? For whether that's your kid's college account, whether we're talking about retirement or saving for a house or something less so far away, but even a big vacation, whatever it is, the sooner you start saving, the less you actually have to save. And with that, 
What are kind of the rules of thumb of how much should you be contributing to any of these like retirement accounts? So say, you know, a lot of moms tend to be in their thirties or even their forties, and they're just now starting out maybe and thinking about retirement. What is kind of the rule of thumb if you're a working mom, or even if you're an entrepreneur that we should be contributing towards? Not a big fan of rules of thumb, but 10% of income has been pretty standard for a lot of people. Again, it really depends on, and it's hard when you're young, I guess, to kind of start going, okay, what, what do you want retirement to look like? And when do you plan to, I don't know if it's just to that. Like I fall in that boat, so it's like, I don't know. But again, the more you put, the earlier you're putting it away, the better you can feel about it. Like, yes, I could have done it better when I was home, but I also don't feel so bad about it because I also jam-packed that 401k when I was, I was working. Right, so especially if you have like, like employer matches and things like that. Like definitely. It definitely left me with a feeling like I had a question at least. And then eventually kind of go, well, I probably should still kept going, but moving forward, right? (laughs) So a lot of women are that listen to the podcast have, you know, maybe younger kids or like kids in their teens and stuff. What should we have started doing, I guess, from the beginning? Like, should we have started investing in their college? Should we have been just focused on our own retirement? Like, is there a sort of like waterfall or like tier of things? You know, I think about like people ask like, oh, do you have a 529 plan? And I'm like, oh, geez, like there's so many things. And I'm like, we only have so much income. And I was like, we have a house, we have three kids, we have, you know, 401ks we're contributing to and all sorts of things like tuition and there's so much stuff. And again, it's like future planning, but it's like college is going to come, you know, so soon. And all of a sudden, like our five-year-old is suddenly going to be like applying. And before we know it, where should we have started? Like, should we start thinking about that now? (laughs) You should. Again, I go back to the earlier, even if it's small, earlier is that even if you're putting a little bit aside, like the minute they're born, it's something. And if it's, you know, that's been a few years, then start as soon as you can. Again, even those $25, $50 a month, the gifts that they get from grandparents, just starting to like stack them into those accounts really makes a difference. It will add up because again, there's that whole compounding earnings on these things that help you out. The more time you have, the better it is for you. Prioritizing between retirement and college planning. I mean, ideally you want to be saving for both. And my personal opinion, this is just me, not everyone agrees. I always recommend prioritizing retirement because there's options for college. There's, you could go to a cheaper school, you could get scholarships, you could get some other aid, you could, not ideal with student loan debt being all over the news, but you can get loans. There's some way to pay for it. There's really not very many ways to retire besides saving for social security. Most of us aren't quite sure what it'll look like by the time we get to retirement. A handful of jobs out there have pensions, but it's disappearing fast. So really, it comes down to saving. And you're not going to retire if you don't have savings. Kids might still go to college, even if you don't have everything saved up. Retirement just won't happen. You don't want to have to work forever or live off of whatever social security looks like. I feel like that is, though, I know that's your personal opinion, but I feel like I hear that from a lot of people, too. It's like, worry about yourself, like, worry about your retirement. Because, yeah, you can borrow for college. That's what student loans are. There are so many ways to fund college. I mean, it sucks coming out of it with student loans, but... You can't you can find it. You do the student loans. You yeah. have to stick them to your kids then, but there's still options. And that being said, yes, it's the advice quite a bit. 
you still want to believe how many moms prioritize the kids before they prioritize themselves. And we always put ourselves in the back seat. So I think that's in everything in life, not just financially, but I feel Absolutely. like I mean, self-care, whatever that is, I think we always put our kids before us and we need to start shifting that mindset. Well, so I've been trying to get into this whole thing of trying to change our perspectives on, you know, how to put yourself first. Think of it this way, if it reframing, it helps. If you don't save for retirement, you will probably end up being your adult child's problem at some point. True. <laughs> and, yes. <laughs> I think they'd rather pay for college. <laughs> I think so too. Well, on that note of kind of putting yourself first, I'm curious, are there any things that you do, not even financially, but, you know, on a day to basis to fill you up to, you know, whether self-care, wellness, are there any practices or rituals that you do in your daily life? I am a, have become a big believer in starting the morning, right? Mm. So mine has become yoga in the morning is kind of my corner keystone habit, I believe is the right word now. It's 15, 20 minutes longer if I can get it in. I feel really quiet and alone. Good chunk of the time. It means there's TV and the kids around me when it's happening, but it happens every morning. I have a bare minimum on it. Like I have my very bare minimum pattern for doing it. And if I have more time, but it happens. What time do you wake up in the morning? Six o'clock. Okay. And that's actually because my 11-year-old insists on him waking up at six o'clock and after a while, he's just... Very neurotic about the schedule. Oh, wow. Usually I feel like the older they get, the later they sleep in. <laughs> this doesn't give He's me much rigid. hope. <laughs> He's very rigid on his schedule. But then, yeah, he doesn't really need handhold like through. Like, you know, he can get up and watch TV and get himself like cereal or something. So it's not crazy. But it's also nice too to kind of have, they got to be out of at school in a little while anyway. So it kind of gives me enough time to do my yoga and have my few quiet minutes while they kind of chill in the morning. When did you start those practices? How old were they? Or did you always have those before that you even were a mom? I did yoga before. I did kind of stop when kids came along and life got busy and it kind of got put on the back burner. And I think it was one of those noticing I'm better when I do it. I'm calmer. I'm, I'm a better mom when I do it. That's what it keeps. Again, it becomes like you want to reframe it in your mind as taking care. It is part of taking care of them. I'm calmer. I'm nicer. I'm more patient. I'm more nurturing when I'm not right at the edges with whatever's on my mind, even if it's not happening. So it's for them as much as it is for me. That's how I frame it. And sometimes we got to justify it to ourselves to make ourselves do it, right? Do you have a favorite app or a program that you do? Not anymore. I okay. used to, I could done like prime videos and then YouTube videos. I think it just slowly developed into my own thing. So it can be done anywhere. Like it doesn't matter which room I have available to me. I can do it. Oh, that's great. So I wanted to talk more about kind of like women entrepreneurs, women business owners, because a lot of women that listen to the podcast also are business owners. And so now that we got the retirement bucket kind of checked on what they can do, they can have a SEP IRA, they can have a traditional IRA, they can form something for their company. What is besides retirement, what are other things that you see them missing from their like financial, I guess, plan over say, I, I don't mean to be sexist in here, but men, because I think men have a very good kind of grasp and understanding and, you know, they have their spreadsheets, they have all the things and 
they don't struggle with, I think the mindset part. And I think women tend to, and I, I hate to generalize there, but I just see it as they have more mindset blocks when it comes to money or earning what they, you know, should be earning or asking for that raise or whatever that might be. It's just a difference. So what are kind of the things for maybe women entrepreneurs or business owners that you see them missing in their either financial plan or their financial portfolio? First of all, Rebecca, it's definitely a mindset thing. Guys are not better at math. They're not better at financial planning. (laughs) Funny, there's actually, I think it's somewhere I was reading, they did a study on like female managed funds and how they actually do better. So I can't quote on exactly which one. So just saying it's a mindset. We kind of limit ourselves and not taking control. For business owners, I would say it's looking at the bigger picture of their finances. We do tend to get stuck in managing the business. And again, we do have too many other things on our plate to really like pull it together sometimes. But one of the biggest issues I see is having diversifying your assets. We tend most business, this applies to most business owners, I guess we know now, but we tend to have a lot of our personal assets in the business. And that kind of puts it's diversifying is not putting all your eggs in one basket. And that we t- business owners tend to have that. By default, because you're investing in the business, a lot of assets are going back in there. And that's a risk in itself. And it's also not always the smartest way to invest. So one of the things I do with them is help them diversify, make sure they're building assets outside of the business as well. And there's retirement, and then there's non-retirement investing as well. The other thing is, I guess, depends on when, if they're scaling and hiring, growing in their business it's kind of getting the right employees and the right employee benefits going. And I'm not by any means a specialist in the employee benefit area, but I do work with people when they have benefits. So it's kind of tailoring it to keep the good employees there, especially when you're small shops and you want to have like the right talent come in, keep them there and give them the right reward. It's important to kind of have that right setup. And, and I don't actually do that myself, but I do have contacts who do and just kind of helping them think through that growth phase of the people starting growing. Right. And on, in terms of like benefits too, I, I saw like, you know, you do do a focus too on insurance and things. And for the first time, you know, my husband and I, we got life insurance and I never thought of that before. Are there any things that like we aren't thinking about insurance wise that we should do to protect ourselves, especially maybe as a mom? So when I think of like, I think one of the things we had mentioned was talking about what would help Young moms or young people with young game, young children, like I always go back to protection. I feel like having kids brings out the protective nature, right? So life insurance, you need to, that's how you protect your kids when you're not around. And if you, anyone, and this isn't necessarily just kids, but anyone depends on you for income or anyone depends on you for care, you need to have life insurance because otherwise what happens if you're not there? And yes, not just income care too, which means stay-at-home moms, you need life insurance too because- Okay, expensive. <laughs> yes, it is. We'd have to replace that. The second thing I see a lot of, and this is technically not financial, having a will, having a guardian name for children. God forbid something happens to both parents. Who's going to be taking care of them? Life insurance is wonderful to take care of them financially, but you, you want to be the one to decide who takes over if the worst happens. This other thing, and you mentioned insurance, even less known insurance compared to life insurance, disability insurance. And I feel like I, I went through a lot of schooling and I rarely heard about it. So it's really not as well known, but 
don't know if you'll need this out, but it's May, and May is Disability Insurance Awareness Month. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> so disability insurance protects your paycheck. It protects your income. So if you can't work because you're hurt or you're ill for a long period of time, you get a paycheck. The insurance pays you and then a check on a monthly basis. So this is different than like disability at work. Like having, because I think like- Not workers' comp. Okay. Not workers' comp. So workers' comp is if you get injured at work. But I'm thinking, okay, you end up, majority of uh, disability happens from illness, not accident. So it's when someone ends up with cancer. You can't work for four years. Treatments and getting better. What do you do? So for most of us, especially the younger crowd, our income is our biggest asset. I mean, think about how much you're going to earn over the course of your lifetime with the ability to earn, plus your raise, what you're earning now, plus your raises, plus your growth potential and all of that. And it comes into millions for most. If you look at a 30-year-old earning even just under six figures, it'll be millions. And we all protect our cars, our house, our engagement rings. <laughs> we get insurance on our TVs, we buy it at Best Buy. But we don't know very few people insure the thing that lets you afford all of it, which is your paycheck. Which is interesting because I always thought, and like, this is just eye-opening for me. I always thought, you know, in your paycheck, when you pay towards SDI or, you know, your disability insurance, when you pay the government out of your paycheck with the taxes, I thought that's disability insurance. It does. It does. It's just, you have to be really. Is this like on top of it? It is on top of it. So social security disability covers you if you're pretty much really injured. You can't do anything at all. And you're really not expected to get better now, which is fine. But again, your social security, we talk, just talked about how retirement social security is probably not going to be a huge amount, right? You're probably not going to be living off of it completely. Same for disability. I mean, if you earn 150000 a year and your disability check now comes out to, I don't know, $1,000 a month, is that really going to cover anything for you? But also... It only, you can also buy disability insurance on your own that covers you for not being able to do what you do now. So you're a doctor. Well, it will pay you if you can't be a doctor anymore, as opposed to you can't do anything anymore. That's like uh, the big distinction there. Okay. So I have, especially for people who work hard, they go through extra college or work up the corporate ladder or spend time building up a business to earn a higher income. You want to protect that. And now does disability insurance, does the amount you change to so say you do get the promotion and you're making more and, or you start a company and then, you know, you, your income grows, does that kind of cover the growth? You can upgrade it. You can okay. slowly upgrade it as it grows. So and just out of curiosity, like what is the average kind of premiums on something like that? I've like never even heard of disability insurance. So I'm curious on, on that. Depends on your health, gender, unfortunately women pay more for that one. Life insurance is a little cheaper on women. Disability is a little cheaper being there. Kind of like car Just, insurance. Car insurance is so much cheaper for women than it is for men. Yes. So life insurance cheaper. Disability, unfortunately, is a little more expensive being a woman. Your state sometimes makes a difference. I know like California is a little more expensive than New York. It really depends. Also depends on the profession because the riskier your profession is, the high, it, it goes into all kinds of actuarial risk thing. But again, it's I find it to be one of the more important ones because- Life insurance is for everybody else. It's a purchase of love. Disability is also for people who don't have anyone depending on them. It's for you. I mean, I've had family members who've ended up with 
cancer or other issues and they haven't been able to work for a few years even or ended up switching to part-time after, it can really have a huge impact on everything else you want to provide for yourself, your family, your kids, what would really happen if you couldn't, right? Right. Wow. Well, good to know. That's that's definitely an important thing. And where can you like purchase these things? Just like your insurance agent, like you just go to them. Agents who do life insurance will do disability insurance. I like to always point people to, there's a website out there called lifehappens.org. It's a nonprofit, nothing to do with me. It really touches on the importance of life insurance and disability insurance. So it's worth looking at. I will add that to the show notes. That's good. A good resource. So to wrap things kind of up, although I'm like, I have so many questions on like all the financial stuff, but I know we can't cover it all in one. I think it's a good, like, you know, starting step. So I would say plan for retirement. Think of yourself first, even if you're a stay at home mom or you're just getting started, really focus on your retirement and then look into disability insurance and all the other things. But to wrap things up, I wanted to ask a mom question, which is, what do you think your superpower is that you gained once you became a mom that makes you better in either business or life? It's the don't sweat the small stuff is asking yourself, you know, will this matter in five minutes, five days, five years kind of thing. So try not to be great at it all the time. We all have our moments of you know, exploding it, reactionary behavior, <laughs> but I do try to think of that whether it's with the kids or to something small that happens at work or during the day. It's just, you start to get a bigger picture of life. Yeah. Oh, and then where can we find you? I'm on LinkedIn, Babita Trevetti. And also if you, anyone's interested in talking to me about your personal financial situation, I am happy to do a free consultation. I can only offer it for the states I'm licensed in, so California, New York, and New Jersey. But Welcome to set up an hour-long consultation. We can talk about your personal finances and if I can make any suggestions. Oh, thank you so much. That's so generous of you. I'll link it up in the show notes for anyone who wants to contact you. Well, thank you so much for joining today. I appreciate all your knowledge and go to my show notes so you can go and contact her. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.